All right, I'm just going to say this. I want to shout this from the mountaintops now before it becomes everybody's opinion. Brock Purdy is the future of the 49ers, not Trey Lance. I want that documented. I want it saved, and I want our social media team to keep it. So when Brock Purdy is the future of the 49ers, we have that down. 9 of 9, 73 yards and a touchdown already for him. The 49ers up 7-0 on the Seahawks. We just entered the second quarter here. The game is going fast because the Seahawks are getting three and outs, while the 49ers now continuously running the ball as well, and they're just eating clock. And I'm just saying, Brock Purdy looks a lot different in this offense than Trey Lance did. I'm just saying. You know, it all actually just came to me on my walk back over from the audio board Mm -hmm. of the future of Trey Lance and actually your Washington commanders because I know how this plays out. Who needs a quarterback? Because I unfortunately do not think Heineke is the answer long term. Carson Wentz, clearly not the answer long-term, no. seeing as he's healthy right now. Not back, even short-term. He's not even getting back out of the field. Backing up Heineke. <laughs> and as much as I love my guy, my guy Sam Howell, I don't know that he's the answer either. So what if maybe San Francisco, for a third round, maybe a second round pick, even though this guy was a top five pick, trades away Trey Lance to the Washington Commanders? Uh, and then they I, get their quarterback of the future I would, Trey I Lance. wouldn't go higher than a third round pick. That's wonder, as far as see, I'd and say. That's the thing. Like, what's San Francisco going to do? Because nobody's given up a first or second round pick for Trey Lance. No, no, there's, he's, n- there's really no tape of him. He made one start, and last he's coming year. off of an injury. He's coming off an injury, and he didn't look good. And Kyle out Shanahan, there on the field. one of the brightest minds in the world, clearly doesn't want him. He's barely played football over the last three years. It's going to be interesting to so, see what happens there. Who all right, knows? we Maybe bring in Brendan Tobin. We'll see if Brendan thinks I'm just as crazy. Is Brock Purdy, Brendan, the future of the 49ers, and not Trey Lance? Am I jumping the gun because he looks damn good again tonight? I don't really want to talk about Brock Purdy. I'm already sore from his coming out party a couple weeks ago against the Dolphins. So uh, I'd like to forget as much of it as possible, but he's looked damn good. Yeah, I completely agree, man. So let's uh, talk a little bit about the Dolphins because I went over eight and a half wins, had such high hopes for them to start the season, some big wins. And, you know, my concern right now, I gave two a pass a couple weeks ago against San Francisco. We're watching this defense right now, and I'm on the wrong side probably with Seattle tonight. And he was out without both of his tackles, but – Man, the accuracy, like he's been off the last couple of weeks. What do you think's going on with Tua right now? I haven't been in love with the play calling. They really can't establish the run game. I feel like it's like watching an eight-year-old play Madden, I keep saying, where it's just deep shot after deep shot. I know Tyreek's a little bit banged up right now. What do you think's going on with the offense and mainly Tua right now? Yeah, it's funny. Uh, you know, he gets so much of the headlines, but I feel like both of those games were very, very different. Um, you know, he just gets a lot of the brunt of the criticism. But San Francisco was odd because – they had the plays there. And like you said, he just missed. And we were just not used to that over the last five weeks since he came back from the concussion because dude was automatic. I mean, he was, he was hitting everything. Didn't really matter down in distance. And I think, you know, they probably just took for granted that that was always going to be there. And uh, nobody was going to be able to make adjustments because it's hard to make adjustments to having speed like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Just nobody seemed to have an answer for it. So San Francisco was an odd thing. There was a lot of buildup going into that of, you know, Mike McDaniel's return. There was a lot of trash talk between Raheem Mostert and uh, the 49ers. And so I don't know if that was just people being too amped up. And, and you know, they're, Mike McDaniel's tried to make this big thing of, like, forcing on a playoff atmosphere for a lot of the young guys, especially as quarterback. And I don't know if they took that, you know, too – mean like you know this means a lot more than it really is and he just seemed off on his timing the 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 Chargers game was like the really first time we've seen somebody hurt Mike McDaniel's offense and Mm -hmm. I think that he was a little bit shook by that because you know that was a team playing with its backups they played very physical with the Dolphins receivers they went deep they took over 
that thing over the middle uh, where Tua loves. That's really his playground. And so this is going to be an interesting week because you're going to have to come up with some adjustments, but you're going to probably have to do it in some some gnarly conditions, which they have uh, not had success with, success with in uh, recent years. Yeah, I was just about to ask that. We had Sal Campaccio on, uh, who does the sideline reporting for the Buffalo Bills, and he basically said, listen, it's not the Dolphins specifically who will get shook by Buffalo. Anyone who touches down there, immediately it's in their head. We've got a snowstorm already happening. And the thing that I saw was, you know, the Dolphins had their heaters out in L.A. to get like 78 degrees in Los Angeles in the wintertime. <laughs> so I, I guess the question is, really, how do you think on a, on a scale of, of 1 to 10, they're going to be able to really handle that weather, especially against a, a Buffalo Bills team that's going to be dialing up some pressure for Tua? I think the thing that worries me the most is knowing what the hell status of Jeff Wilson is because – you know, he really has added such a gritty element to them since getting traded over here from San Francisco. And if they don't have him, they don't really have that thunder to Mostert's lightning. And that really bounces out a lot of things for Tua. You know, he's so good with uh, with that run pass option. And so losing that and everybody, it just makes the game a lot easier for the defense. Tua's obviously going to get a lot of the the, the attention on, on cold weather because, you know, he's Hawaiian. He didn't play a lot of cold weather games. He did say he went to Maryland in the off season to uh, practice with his brother over, uh, over with the Terps and yeah. said it was snowing there. So I don't know if that's enough for him, but you know, I, I think for the most part, they try and, and deal with this whole mentality of like the elements, they have their own crazy elements to deal with here on the other end of it, because it's not sane what they practice in heat wise during the summer, during training camp. Um, now they kind of have to get the, the flip of that because you know, a lot of what they heard after they beat the Bills in week three was, man, this is a crazy home field advantage you have. People uh, people can't seem to withstand the heat. And so they're going to have to kind of try and find a way to flip that on its head. But I think that ultimately, whether or no whether, they got to find a way to, you know, execute some things, maybe in a simpler process. Like you mentioned earlier, they've been taking a lot of deep shots and, and it's really been a lot of all or nothing for them, which is kind of funny because the narrative coming into this was, to his, you know, a game manager. He's yeah, a check down Charlie. Down. And that's really not what he's been. I mean, he has been trying to go for the bombs. He likes playing with his weapons of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, and they like to take those chances over the middle. Talking to Brendan Tobin, uh, you know, we were talking about this earlier. You know how the NFL obviously is, right? It's a what have you done for me lately league. The beginning of the year, Mike McDaniel was everybody loved him. He's this brilliant offensive mind. And now lately, it seems like the narrative has become a little bit more What's he doing with the play calling? It's not as creative as it was or whatever the case is. Big picture, from what you've seen so far in his first year as a head coach, how would you really rate Mike McDaniel? I mean, he's got an A-plus across the board yep. um, just because he had to do so much work with his quarterback and revitalize the guy's confidence and, and bring him back to feeling like he was capable of being an NFL quarterback. Um he makes his star receivers very, very happy. I mean, Tyree Kill came here. You heard this week he was upset with the targets that he got in Kansas City. They do not shy away with giving him the ball all the time. And, yeah, it's a little bit of if things aren't working, let's just give Tyree Kill the ball. And, and Tyree Kill loves that. He loves the idea that, you know, Mike McDaniel has not only, you know, given him the praise of being a star player but being a leader for the team. And so I think that one of the things that was interesting with Flores last year is a lot of the guys who were the quote-unquote leaders of the team – a lot of intangible guys, you know, Matt Collins, a special teams guy, Jesse Davis, kind of a gritty, not very good tackle. 
this year, all of the captains for the Dolphins, he really empowered all of the best players. And I think that he is, uh, you know, he's as players coach as it gets. They, you saw him, you know, vibing at practice yesterday. He's wearing the shirt saying, I wish it was colder. He does. Everybody likes the jokey jokes from him, but he also, uh, he also has a, a real big care and, and does not throw his players under the bus at all. So I think he's bought a lot with them. Uh, Brendan, really quick, I wanted to actually bounce over to the NBA because I'm looking at the Southeast Division winner odds at BetMGM, and people think I'm crazy. I made the case for the Magic 150 to one, and here they are down to 100 to one. Obviously, the smart bet's probably the Heat, but they're minus 110. I have no faith in the Hawks uh, or the Wizards. What are your thoughts uh, on the Heat, like moving forward the rest of the season? Um, you know, obviously a veteran team. It's just like get into the playoffs. But do you think they're going to turn it around and kind of figure some things out? I've been very optimistic on them uh, all year up until last week. Last week was uh, kind of my first shake of confidence because after they had those wins against the Celtics, getting Jimmy Butler back, it really felt like, okay, everybody is healthy. Everybody is together. This is where they start to make their run. And then they go and lose to the Grizzlies backups, the Pistons, and the Spurs. So <laughs> they have been on this journey to try and get back to 500. If they can hold on against uh, Houston, which, you know, them in big leads also does not go well. They've had like one blowout this year. Um, then they'll finally be, be there and hopefully can, you know, get themselves back on track. I still believe in their talent. I still believe in Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. And Tyler Hero has been on a really, really hot stretch from coming back from his ankle injury. Uh, but they have a lot of bad habits. They allow a lot of points in the paint. And um, I just think that they, they played so hard last year and – had a lot of injuries too but I think that they have really got at this with a we're taking a marathon approach to this regular season and they just yeah. don't give that all-out effort that we're used to seeing with heat teams what's your assessment of of how the Kyle Lowry trade has actually ended up because it just doesn't really feel like they're getting what they thought they were going to get from him not just because of injuries or his personal issues last year which he was gone for a lot of games like kind of undisclosed personal issues but even when he's out there, he just doesn't look like the same version of himself. It feels like the decline has, has started to happen, and it's declined for good. Yeah. He last year during the regular season was huge because with Bam and Jimmy out, uh, he really kept it afloat and, and you know, really got all of these young guys involved. Like Omer Yurtsevin was throwing up double-doubles every night, and a lot of that had to do with Kyle Lowry. Um, but then, you like you mentioned, the personal reasons – really kind of just took it out of the rhythm so when Jimmy and Bam were back he was gone and he said that really messed with you know his conditioning his chemistry with the team and then the playoffs it was you know he was kind of a ghost because he dealt with injuries he couldn't get into a rhythm he was a shell of himself you got it he got called out by Pat Riley in the offseason to get into better shape to his credit went to Las Vegas you know worked out at the uh, the UFC Performance Center and got in really good shape I think he's been um you know he's been pretty steady this season he's still not what he was I don't think he's going to be that guy but Spo loves him he loves the leadership that he brings he does not get to the basket like he used to but it's kind of with Kyle it's it's a you know he's going to get everybody in the right spots and then it's just a matter of does he have it from three-point range tonight and if he does you'll probably have a productive night he's it's kind of like a bonus um he's hit, still had a couple of games where he's hit some really big baskets late but that burst and that annoying, uh, you know, bounce off everybody and fly everywhere. Kyle Lowry, that guy is just not there as much. All right, we only got a couple minutes, so I got to get to this egg thing with you. The raw egg in a shell. What 
What was that like eating a raw egg and the shell just popping in your mouth? I, that It makes me want to vomit just thinking about it. It was a terrible idea. Um, <laughs> I watched Bryce Mitchell. Uh, he's, a, he's a UFC featherweight, and yeah. he was watching this countdown video where he's you know, in his farm, and this thing that he did where he just popped, didn't do it like Rocky Balboa style, cracked the egg into the glass, chugged the yolk. He just took it from the chicken directly from the tap and popped it in his mouth. And then we had him on the show and he was explaining, this is real bro science, that he thinks that it makes his bones stronger and that it won't have his hand break. Arkansas, I guess. I don't know. And so just to try it out on the show, I had an egg there. I thought this was going to go well. It did not. It was oh. disgusting with crunch, yolk and all. Thankfully, I was, uh, you know, savvy enough to have a wastebasket right next to me, but it's a terrible idea. So are your bones any stronger? Yeah, that's I it. might end up breaking my hand if the Seahawks don't cover uh, three and a half tonight, Brennan. I might just put it right through the wall right here. <laughs> nope, bones aren't stronger. Nah. Just uh, just uh, brain is dumber. <laughs> I, look, I can't. I, I've been there. I, I'll be honest. I'm just picturing what it would take for me to do something like that. I wouldn't do it for entertainment purposes, so Can't I'm glad that you were able to do that. By the way, you know when it comes directly out of the chicken, like there's like a film on an egg that keeps it from spoiling for like 60 days. It can sit out unrefrigerated. I know this because like it doesn't really matter how I know this. The point is there's also that that he, this guy eats. Like it's not just like the raw egg. It's also like the film straight from the tap of the chicken. Sounds disgusting. I yes. I will give him credit. I did think I see. I, I did see them uh, – roll a hose there but still for okay. me it would take All some right, time good. in the refrigerator it would have to cool down but you know what the farm boy is going to do what the farm boy is going to do this is true he's brendan tobin midday host in miami tapped out on betql on saturdays and of course the porpoise pod covering the miami dolphins all football season long appreciate the time man thanks for coming on yeah thanks for having me thanks brendan i, I could not imagine eating a raw egg like that like even the no. rocky bit of like just drinking it no. is still just dude gross it's disgusting i used to have a buddy that like to win bets would eat goldfish like actual goldfish yeah like he would yeah. just like like he would just be like who wants me to swallow this? i'm not and gonna lie like, I, I, like, did, did I did you do that too i did it in college so oh. I, our fraternity had what's called a uh goldfish party it's a whole thing with the tradition and the history of yeah. fraternity it's stupid when you're yeah, in a fraternity no, no, yeah. you do dumb stuff yeah. uh yeah so people walked around and swallowed goldfish i did have one i couldn't so, do it Send PETA after me all you want. Don't really care. I'm telling um, you, you could offer me $150 million, you guys, and I would not do it. I could I, I not think do it. It was enough beers for me, and I did it, and I'm sure it's enough beers for you, too. We'd you probably know, get you to do it. You know how Meatloaf said he would do anything for love, but he wouldn't do that? Well, I'd do anything for $150 million, but I would not swallow a goldfish. <laughs>